Take your Bible, open up to John chapter 1. We're going to be in the first 14 verses, really key in on several individual ideas, especially this idea of Jesus being the light of the world. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the chair in front of you, hopefully. John chapter 1. In this passage, John introduces Jesus with several key phrases. I want, as I read through this, I want you to pick out everything this passage says about who Jesus is. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is packed full of truth about Jesus Christ. And we don't have time to look at all of them this morning. I want to kind of key in on this idea of Jesus being light But it talks about Jesus being the word of God. He is life. He is light. He is the true light. And and I feel like I want to preach another sermon. But, But if you go back, what John is doing is repeating the creation account from Genesis chapter 1. That's what he's doing. And he's putting Jesus into the Genesis account. So he's telling us when it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, he's going, guess what? Jesus was right there. When it says God brought light into the world, he said Jesus was right there. And it's just a powerful truth. It's a powerful thing that John is doing. But we're going to key in on this one word, light. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, we are told that Jesus comes as light into a dark world. Later on in the gospel, Jesus takes this, this title for himself. He calls himself in John 8, 12, He says, I am the light of the world. I'm not sure we really understand how desperately we need light. I mean, think about it. Right now it's getting dark at like 3 o'clock, 3.30. Feels like it. And you walk into your house and it's, it's dark. And what a struggle it is, right? Man, I need light. It's just so hard to get light in the house. You have to walk over to a wall and do this. (laughs) And boom, floodlights come on. And you can see everything. Say, oh no, it's the middle of the night and, and I hear a noise outside. I'm so worried. And you go over and you flip that little switch on the wall and boom, floodlights can come on in the backyard and illuminate everything. 
We can light up a room. We can light up a house. We can light up a building. We can light parking lots and streets. We can light up whole cities. I've seen lights that go up and they light up the sky, right? You see like those beams and they're dancing around. It's crazy what we can do today with light. But in that way, we're kind of spoiled. And so we come to a text like this and we say, Jesus is the light of the world. Okay, cool. He's like this light switch and I can turn off and on. And yeah, it's kind of nice. I mean, isn't that super convenient? Jesus is super convenient. That's not what it's talking about. You see, in this time, getting light was hard. It was constant effort at night to keep homes lit and cities lit. They had little handheld lamps that needed constant care and attention and refilling. They had torches and larger lamps, but they also needed constant care and attention. They had things like candles, but they didn't work that great. They needed constant care and attention. To fight the darkness was a constant effort for them. And so this is what we need to look at as we enter this passage. We need to get into their mindset and hear these words as they would have heard it. Light has come. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this passage this morning, I pray, may the light of your word, your truth, shine into our hearts. May you point out in our lives where there is darkness that needs to be overcome. May we see our world for what it is according to the truth of your world, a dark, or your word, a dark place that needs the light of Jesus Christ. And may we feel the responsibility, but also the joy of being used by you to shine forth your light in this dark place. In your name we pray. Amen. We need to start by talking about the dark. It's really hard to find a picture that shows darkness. You know, which I thought that's kind of ironic because even in my efforts to show darkness, I have to use light. That's what the projector is doing. It's shining light through this dark slide so you can see dark. I don't know if that blows your mind, but it did me. I remember going to uh, the Eastman Museum all about cameras and lenses. And they had a display. I don't know if it's all the time, but they had this display that was called Camera Obscura. Anybody ever seen it? I've talked about this before, but you go in and and it's basically like a room that is turned into a camera. And so you go into the room and it has to be completely pitch black in the room and it should be really light outside and they have a little hole in the wall and what happens maybe you made these pinhole cameras as a kid the light comes through the hole and then it shines on the back wall now it has to be pitch black in the room for it to work because the light coming through is not very strong it has to be really light outside and i remember the day we were there it was not incredibly light outside I went into the room and people would come in and they would look around and it was just dark. And they go, huh, well, that's dumb. And they'd leave. And I read the description. I went, there's something here. So I stayed there. And you know what happens when you stay in darkness for a while. Your eyes begin to adjust. And the picture of the trees outside began to show very faintly, not unlike this, very faintly on the back wall. And I thought that was so cool. Now, that's not actually the point of my illustration. The point of my illustration is what comes next. So I thought this was so cool, and I wanted to go out and share it with my family. They were out in a display area 
You know what display areas have, really bright light shining on all the displays. I come out of this pitch dark room ready to tell them about this phenomenal thing that I see and I get out there and I go, oh my goodness, it hurt. Our eyes get used to the dark. We get comfortable with the dark to the point at which light becomes uncomfortable. Friends, it's not just our eyes. It's our lives. It's, it's our heart. It's our minds. We get comfortable with the dark. John chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. In him was life And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you hear the tension here? Darkness wants to overcome the light. Light is trying to chase away the darkness. These things are at odds with each other. They are opposites, enemies. We get a sense of this feeling if we go even further in Scripture, back into Psalm 130, verses 5 through 6, the psalmist says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in His word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Jerusalem, it's a big city in that time, up on a hill. And as the watchman stood on the walls, there would have been the lights of the city behind him. Not hugely bright, but compared to the darkness all around, you could see it for a long way. But the watchman's job was not to turn and watch the city. It was to look at the dark, the surrounding area, to see, are there foreign armies coming in to attack us? Are there bandits trying to infiltrate the city or possibly wild animals trying to get in? And here this poor guy is on the city walls looking out into darkness. And what does he see? Darkness. And he's just looking. What if there's something right there and I just can't see it? Or let's put it in a different light, if you will. There were times in Jerusalem's history there was an army camped just outside their walls. Maybe just outside of what the people on the walls could see. And they knew, they had heard the reports. They're here, they're coming, they're going to attack soon. And that watchman is looking. And he's thinking, when will the light come? When will I be able to do my job and see clearly? Darkness does something to us. It causes a sense of being lost, but also a sense of desperation and longing. When will the light come? And we grow uncomfortable with the darkness, and so we find ways of managing it, making it easier to deal with. Sure, our eyes will adjust and we get used to the dark, but sometimes we're even more proactive. When I was a kid, I was absolutely terrified of the dark, like unhealthily terrified of the dark. I don't even think my parents knew. And I think I've shared the story before, but I had all these ways of dealing with it. So I would go, I would always have a reading light next to my bed. I would go over to the bed, turn on the reading light, go back to the wall, turn off the wall switch, go in, get in bed, cover up and reach out one hand quickly, turn it off and suck it back in before anything ate me. Okay, that was my mindset. Some of you still do that and that's okay. Uh, That was okay for a while, but then I thought I can do better. 
And so I devised a system where my reading light had a lampshade that would clamp onto the bulb. And I learned that if you unscrewed the bulb almost all the way, there was a point at which it was still connected, but the slightest turn of the lampshade would unscrew the bulb and the light would go off. And I thought, this is pretty good. So I can leave my light on, and if I hear my parents coming, all I had to do was reach up and tap the lampshade, uh, spinning it just a little bit. You can cover your kids' ears, okay? Just a little bit, and it would turn it off. And I thought, this is, this is pretty good. I can do better. So I got some dental floss. A lot of my childhood stories involve dental floss, not with flossing. It's great for crafts and technology. I tied dental floss to the lampshade and I strung it across the room and over a hook and down to my doorknob. And I had the thought that my parents could easily turn the doorknob either way. And so I came up with a system that it didn't matter which way you turn the doorknob, it would still work. And what would happen is they would turn the knob on one side. It would pull the string all the way across the room and it would turn my lampshade just a fraction of an inch and turn it off. That's how afraid of the dark I was. I put forth so much effort to manage my fear, to literally manage the darkness in my own life. Now, hopefully you're going to laugh at those efforts. It's, it's funny. I look back. I'm a little proud. I'll admit, a bit proud, but it's also pretty silly. But how many of us put forth just as much, if not more effort in our lives today right now, to manage the darkness in our own lives. We pick up these things. I like technology. It's great. It's convenient. We start seeing things that make something uncomfortable. We start feeling something or being tempted in our own heart, and we just can click this on, and in a second we can be on social media And we can just manage the darkness, numb the feelings, distract the ideas in our mind. We're just shifting things around in the dark. Or we go on social media and we post things to make us feel better. And we're just putting more darkness out into the dark. Or we cling to our addictive habits to make us feel better for just a little while. All of this is simply getting used to and managing the dark. But we need to accept. And friends, this is so hard and offensive to the modern mindset. But we need to accept we cannot make our lives or our world better by simply managing and reorganizing the darkness. It won't make a difference. We need light. The problem is, before we move on from darkness, we need to accept that when light shines into darkness, people in the dark don't like it. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming in the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I said earlier before the song Emmanuel, for 400 years they had watched and waited and prayed, knowing the Messiah was to come. They were in the dark, longing for the light of the Messiah. And then he comes, and they didn't recognize him. How often are we stuck in our own choices, 
and somebody points out a, a good friend, a loving friend, or maybe the word of God and points out the error of our thinking or our ways or our habits and we say, uh-uh, don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen to it. It's like somebody just turned on a light when we've been standing in a dark room. And as I said earlier, the light tries to, or rather the darkness tries to overcome the light, but it cannot. True light will always overcome darkness and darkness cannot win. We live dark lives in a dark world. We've become comfortable with the dark, even as much as we get frustrated with it. And we fill our lives and the darkness of our lives with things to manage the darkness to make us feel better. But too often when the light comes, we want to shut our eyes and turn away. It's why it's so important to come and open the Word of God together on Sundays. It's why it's important to open the Word of God in your own homes because the light of Christ shines forth and through and challenges the darkness. But Jesus is the light of the world. He came into our darkness. He came to people he knew would not accept him, would not want to see him for who he was. He came to people that he knew he was going to make them uncomfortable, just as darkness doesn't want to accept light. And he came to show us something important. Light. The light of God. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 tells us in advance, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. These people lived with this prophecy. The light is coming. We now live with the realization the light has come. But just like them, too often we choose to live in the dark. But God said that he would send the light. And just like the watchman in verse 130, one, uh, Psalm 130 rather, wondering when the sun is going to rise, when is the light going to come, when will the darkness scatter, the words of John chapter 1 verse 9 ring out, in him was light, life. And that light was the light, that life was the light of all mankind. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. You would think when true light comes, everyone would rejoice. This is what I've been looking for this whole time. And certainly there are some people when they hear about Jesus, their hearts just, just burn within them. This is it. But some of you have had the opposite response from others. Some of you have had the opposite response in your own life. And we say, I don't want to hear that. That's judgmental. Who are you to say that I'm a sinner? Who are you to say that certain things are wrong and certain things are right? And the light of Jesus Christ comes in and says, God's in charge. There is such a thing as truth. And darkness does not get to define what truth is. We need the light. We need to understand what the light really is. Jesus being the light of the world. It's not about Jesus just being a flashlight to come in and to be helpful in our life. It's about us accepting that our way of thinking, our way of living, the ways of this world are darkness. They don't illuminate anything. 
And He is the only true light. Why? Because throughout Scripture, light is associated with the presence of God. 2 Samuel 22, 29. You, Lord, speaking of God the Father, you, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. Where God's presence is known, there is light. Where God's truth is proclaimed, there is light. David's not just saying that God brings light into his darkness. He is saying, God, you are the light in my darkness. Psalm 119, 105, you might know this one. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. He says, God, your truth is what shows me the way. Again, this is more than just being convenient or helpful. This is at times being confronting and convicting to show us there are things in our life and in our heart that need to be changed because of the presence of God Almighty. And so in John 1, when John applies these things to Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, he is clearly saying that Jesus is God. He is the light of God's presence in this world. The fulfillment of God's plan to send a Savior so that he can be with us. That's why Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And they knew exactly what he was doing when he used those words, I am the light of the world. Throughout the history of the Jewish people, that phrase, I am, was the name of God that was so holy they would not even pronounce it or speak it. And Jesus uses that phrase over and over and over about himself. I am. At one point, he says, before Abraham was, I am. And the Jewish people knew exactly what he was doing, and they tried to put him to death then and there. What's John's point in chapter 1? As he ties all these things into the creation story, what he's saying is that all things were created by God through Jesus Christ, who is God. And the light that came into the world, not just so that we could see, but so that our food could grow. So that we could live, light and life go together. And he's saying Jesus is God, is the author of life. I am the light of the world. Jesus shows us also who we are. He is the light pointing to humanity saying this is who you were created to be. As we see him live in perfect relationship with God the Father. And we see him love those around him who are unlovable. We see him touch those that no one else would touch. And he says, this is who you were created to be. By being the light of God, he also shows us our own darkness. When we went through our cross series, we talked about what we learn by the cross of Jesus Christ. And one of the things we learn that we don't want to look at is just how bad sin is. Sin is no small thing. When the price to overcome sin is the death of the Son of God, sin is no small thing. And the light of Jesus Christ shows us just how bad sin is. But it also shows us a way through. 
through our darkness and our death that we might have life. Salvation through Jesus, the light of the world. The baby born in the manger is not just some light, not just one light, not just some way or one way. He is the light, the truth, God with us. Do not be surprised when the truth of Jesus Christ is proclaimed and the light shines forth and the world wants to close its eyes and back away. God knew that would happen. Jesus knew it would happen. As God's people, we need to understand that is the response of a dark world to the light of truth. But we need to make it personal. We need to expect that when we have God's word, God's light shining into our life, we will naturally want to shut our eyes and turn away. And in that moment, we need to stop and say, God said this would happen. I don't like it, but I need it. Like the watchman on the wall, I've been waiting for this. Don't turn away from the joy of the salvation through Jesus Christ. Even though at first the light might be uncomfortable. And I pray that this Christmas, the light of Jesus would shine in our homes and our lives, in us as a church, in every closed off dark place of our individual lives. I pray the light of God's word would shine forth. Let Jesus become your light. But we can't stop there. When the light of Jesus comes in, we need to shine forth then. We are challenged by Jesus Christ in this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. The one who said, I am the light of the world, now turns to his disciples, to you and me, and he says, Now you are the light of the world. So you remember how the world responds to light? <sighs> kind of uncomfortable. Not always so great. Christian, That's how the world's going to respond to you when you live forth and shine forth the light of Jesus. Not always, but it will happen. And when it happens as Christians, we need to not step back and say, hmm, maybe I should change what I believe so I don't offend these people. Maybe I should change the light and distort it a little bit so it's, more acceptable to them. That is not the answer when the light is what they need. What we need to do is say, God said this would happen. I'm going to keep shining forth the light of Jesus Christ. When we accept who Jesus is, and we are saved and changed by him, something miraculous happens. We are moved out of the realm of darkness into the realm of light, but we still live in a dark world, and we become ambassadors to shine forth the light of Jesus. We display Jesus through living our salvation, because they don't need us, and they don't need tips and tricks to deal with the darkness. They need the light of Jesus Christ. So we need to live our testimony, our salvation, and tell others what Jesus has done for us. In Matthew 5.16, Jesus says this as well, Let your good deeds shine for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father in heaven. I love that last part. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's not so they'll look at us and go, Wow, you're really clever. 
And I just, I, I love what you do and I'm going to try to be more like you. That's not what Jesus is saying. We're not trying to make people more like us. We're saying, no, 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 no. Don't be like me. Be like my Savior. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let him come into your life and change you. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The glory of God has come into this dark world through Jesus Christ's birth in a manger, in a stable, in a dirty, dusty town that didn't even have room for his family. And he came into the world to display the light of God, to illuminate and shine forth his truth and his salvation through the darkness of this world. My prayer is that we will accept it. And then that we, as people changed by God, will shine forth this truth to a world that so desperately needs to see it. Are you tired of darkness? Have you heard of sad seasonal affective disorder when there's just times of darkness? Man, I get that in Rochester when it gets dark early. I get that. But now take that to a dark world ever since the fall of humanity in the garden and we each are born and live our lives in the darkness of this world. You want to talk about sad? This world is sad. And they need light. And ask yourself this morning, are you putting a lot of effort into rearranging or managing the darkness in your life? Whether that be trying to make it look and feel a little bit better. Maybe it's you trying to overcome it on your own. Or maybe it's you trying to hide it so nobody else knows. Stop and say, why am I managing the dark instead of allowing the light to come in? Fall on your knees before your Savior who died on the cross for you and rose from the grave, promising eternal light to, and life to all who believe and say, Jesus, I need you. I need light, not better managed darkness. As we sang earlier, come behold the wondrous mystery. This Christmas, behold the wondrous mystery of the light of Jesus Christ. If you've never received him as your savior, what a gift that would be this Christmas. Receive him as the gift of light into your life. If you have received Jesus, shine forth that light for others to see. What a gift that would be this this Christmas. That they could see and hear about the light of Jesus through you. Yes, might be uncomfortable. Yes, they might deny it or reject it but you are giving them what they most desperately need, the light of the world in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would forgive us for the efforts we put into managing darkness in our lives and in our world. I pray that you would forgive us for the effort and the time and the energy we put into commentating on how this world manages its own darkness. And God, there are times as Christians, citizens of this world, 
We are impacted by the way this world manages its own darkness. I pray in all of these things that our eyes would be set on the light of Jesus Christ, no matter what. That our hope would be clearly displayed to everyone watching our lives. Rather than pointing them to different aspects of the darkness or how we think things should go, we would point them to Jesus. And God, I know because I know people in general, I know there are those here that are managing darkness in their own life. Trying to cover it up. They're trying to rearrange it to make them feel better. I pray this morning they would hear as much as they want to back away and shield their eyes that they would hear and they would see the light of Jesus. And rather than squinting and turning away, they would turn towards you and open their eyes and say yes to the powerful truth of the light of Jesus in their life. And may we shine that out for all to see this Christmas season and always. In the powerful name of Jesus, the light of the world, we pray. Amen.